we started a new series called Two Masters. And it's based on Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. You see, the thing that will compete with your heart for God more than anything else is your money. It might surprise you to find out that there are, as said in that little video, more than 800 verses in the Bible that deal with money. And in fact, if you consider all the verses in the Bible that deal with money and our possessions, that number jumps to 2,380 verses that deal with money and our possessions. In fact, money is the number one topic in the parables of Jesus. Think about that for a minute. Let that one sink in for a second. That money is the number one topic in the parables of Jesus. 15% of everything that Jesus said relates to money. In fact, he said more about money than he did on heaven and hell combined. Jesus taught more about our possessions than heaven and hell combined. Now, why did he put such an emphasis on money and possessions? I believe it's because there is a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we handle our finances. There's a basic fundamental connection between our spiritual lives, our, our, our relationship with God, and how we handle our money. You see, your relationship to your earthly possessions is a, an important indicator of the depth of your relationship with Jesus. It's hard for you to hear, perhaps, but it's true. Your relationship to your material possessions is an indicator to the depth of your relationship with Jesus. We sometimes try to separate our faith and our finances, but... God sees them as inseparable. Perfect example of that, I I think, is in the Scripture in Malachi chapter 3. Would you open God's Word to Malachi chapter 3? I'm going to help some of you while you're trying to find that. I see the fanning going on here, so let me... I'm, I'm not doing that to be kind. I'm doing that because I want you to stay awake. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. In verse 6 and 7, it's interesting that as he talks about this subject, he begins in verses 6 and 7 talking about our faith, a situation related to our faith. And then in in verses 8 and 9, he talks about our finances. So let's start in verse 6 and 7. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So he's talking about their faith. He's talking about their relationship with him. And he says, you've gotten away from me. You need to return to me. And so they ask this question. But you ask, how are we to return? And now he talks about their finances. Rather than talking about their faith, he talks about their finances. Verse 7, or verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are a nation under a curse, and the whole nation of you bring, because you are robbing me. And then he gives us this challenge in verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. 
He says, bring the tithe back into the storehouse because you're robbing me of the tithe. Now, what I want to do today is talk to you a little bit about what that word tithe is, what it means. Uh, Please do not confuse giving with tithing. They are not the same thing. You might from time to time give something when you're in church and and when the plate is passed, you might give something. and, And we appreciate that, but that's not tithing. The Hebrew word for tithing, the word literally means a tenth part. A tenth. God instructed his people to give a tenth back to him. You'd be surprised at how few Christians actually do that. Barna Research did a a, a study, a survey, and here's the report. They said one out of three born-again Christians report that they tithe. One out of three, 30%. Now, that's kind of depressing, but it gets even worse. Because they actually, once they identified this one out of three born-again Christians, I mean, you would expect it to be maybe 75%, right? Uh, You'd expect it to be at least 50%, but one out of three say that they actually tithe. But when they studied those one out of three, when they studied their income and when they studied what they were actually giving, that number changed to one out of eight were actually tithing. One out of three claimed to tithe, but only one out of eight was actually doing so. You see, a lot of people, listen to this, a lot of people are willing to give God their praise, they're just not willing to give God their money. It's a sad situation, isn't it? Fact is, if I could be real honest with you, God doesn't need your money. God has limitless resources. Would anybody say amen to that? God's resources are limitless. The whole issue of tithing is not what it does for God, but it's what it does for you. The whole issue of tithing is what it does in our lives when we give to God out of obedience and out of love. And so what I want to do today is, and, and uh, continue it in another message is, is I want to explain tithing using today two key truths. And then we'll look at it again later. First of all, here's the first key truth I want you to grab hold of. Tithing is returning 10% of your income to God's church. Now, I want you to think of tithing in that regard. Think of tithing as returning. That's a key word. Tithing is returning 10% of your income back to God's church. Now, we're going to have a couple of different things today to help keep you involved in this message. And so I need a volunteer and here's what I need a volunteer for. Uh, does anybody have a $100 bill that you could give me uh, for, for this illustration? Anybody got a $100 bill on you? Raise your, I don't have my glasses on. You're going to hold your hand up? Uh, I've seen, hold them up. Hold them up. I need to... Over here. Can I just say this? We got a lot more in this service than the first service. Surprise. Or in the first service, they just didn't want me to know about it. Maybe they just said... Don't you tell him I got $100. All right, hold your hands up again. Who's got $100? Rob, how about you? He's chairman of the deacons. Rob, have you got a $100 bill? Could you bring it up here, please? Reluctantly, he's coming. <laughs> Let the record show that the chairman of the deacon is bringing $100 to the pastor. That's a good sign. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I don't do like they do in the store and make sure it's legit. Doesn't it kind of insult you when you give it to the cash register, the lady, and she goes, I don't know about that. You look pretty dishonest. 
So thank you, Rob. I appreciate that. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. It's right in the Word. Now, the great thing about that is this is the second time I've preached that message. So <laughs> we're going out to eat after, lunch, after service today, honey. We're, going, we're not going to Bojangles today. Now, in, in all sincerity and, and full disclosure, before the service, I gave Rob that $100, believe it or not. I gave it to him. Now, if I were good, like God, I would let Rob keep $90 and just give me 10 That's all I... If I were really good, that's what God does. God gives it to us. Then he says, you can keep 90 of it, just give me 10 Now, the bad news for Rob is, I'm not God. And since I preached this twice today, that would be a very expensive illustration. But think about it in those terms. I gave it to him, and then I asked for all of it back. Well, God doesn't do that. God gives it to us, and then he says, would you return 10% of it, of what I've already given you? It's 10% of what I've already given. You see, tithing technically is not giving. It is returning the first 10% of our income back to God. Please understand that. Now, why did God say to return 10%? I really don't know. He could have said 20% or 40% or return 75%. He could have said give it all because it's all his to begin with, right? It's all his. And that's why the Bible says that if you're not tithing, you're robbing God. The reason you're robbing God is because it's all his to begin with. He gave it to you. And now you're keeping part of it. When he said, would you return it to me? Look in verse 8. Again, please. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. See, the bottom line question is this. Whose money is it, really? That's the real question. Whose money is it, really? I believe that there are many sincere, godly Christians who wrestle with that question. A lot of Christians really struggle with that question. Whose money is it? Here's the reason they struggle with it. Because your name is on the bank account. Your name is on the checkbook. Your name is on the debit card. Uh, Your name is on the paycheck. And when you look at all of that, you conclude, this is my money. Now, if I decide to give some to God, then that's okay. But I decide whether or not I'm going to give it. And preacher, don't you tell me I've got to give it because this is my money. Most people would agree with you that it is your money. Your name's on the bank account. Your name's on the paycheck. Your name's on the debit card. Your name's on the statements. It is your money. Most people would agree with you. Except God. And God would say, no. No, it's not yours. I gave you that. I want to show you this in Scripture. I I want you to make sure that you understand this that it's grounded in Scripture. Go to Deuteronomy, towards the front of the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy 
Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'll set the, the text for you, the background, <clears throat> as you're turning there. God's people are about to enter the promised land, and, and God speaks to them about some things they need to remember once they get into this land that God was giving them. And in chapter 8, verse 10, this is what it says. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you out, he brought you water out of the hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. This is my money. Verse 18. But remember, but remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. For it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You need to remember and I need to remember that we wouldn't have anything if it were not for the Lord God. We would not even be alive if it were not for God. You wouldn't have the health to go to work if it were not for God. You wouldn't have the mental capacity to do your work if it were not for God who created that. And gave it to you. You would not have the physical ability to do your work were it not for God who created you and gave you the ability to do that. He is the one who brought you out of slavery of sin. He is the one who redeemed you. And you have the audacity to look at your bank account and say, it's my money. No. No, God says when you have that opinion, that's when you rob him. So really, everything that you have, you have to decide, is it mine or is it his? Is it mine or is it his? God says, I'm not asking for all of it. Just take the first 10% and give it back to me. Tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. Returning is... 10% of what God has given you. The tithe belongs to God. We return it to His house, and I don't want what belongs to His house in my house. He's asked me to return it to Him. Now, here's the second thing about tithing. Tithing teaches you something. Number two, watch this. Tithing teaches you to put your trust or to put God first in your life. Tithing teaches you to put God first in your life. 
<clears throat> there are very few areas where you can actually see if God is first in your life. Very few areas, but this is one of them. Tithing is an act that demonstrates priority. Tithing is an act when you place that check faithfully every Sunday or whenever you're paid bi-weekly or monthly, whenever it is you're paid, when you place that check in the offering plate faithfully, you're saying, God, I want you to be first in my life, and to prove it, I'm putting you first in my money. This is a way I can demonstrate you're first in my life. Now, I told you we were going to try to do some things to help you understand this. These apples represent your paycheck. Whether you get paid every week or biweekly or monthly or whatever it is, uh, this is your paycheck. Wouldn't it be nice when you bring the paycheck home, wouldn't it be nice if you could just kind of keep it all? But you know that when you bring your paycheck home, you don't get to keep it all. There's the car payment that you've got to make, and so you take care of the car payment. And then, of course, if you've got a home, there's the mortgage you've got to pay. Or if you don't have a home, you've got to pay rent, and so that you take care of that. And then there's taxes. I mean, Uncle Sam's going to get his, amen? You know, that's right. April 15th was just a few days away. He's going to get his, and so you pay your taxes. And, of course, if you've got a car, then, then you need to have car insurance, so that comes out of your paycheck. And then if you've got a home, of course, there's house insurance, so that comes out of your check. And, and then if, if you're my age, you've got kids in college, and they get all the apples you've got, and you put, try to take care of that. And, and then you've got medical insurance, and, I mean, there's not enough apples to cover that one, but we put a little bit of, of see, that's the reason it falls over. It just takes it all. But then even after you do all of that, you've got a little bit left, and you, you kind of have to figure out where it all goes. And, and after you've done all those big things, of course, there's the water bill. That comes to you every month. This is going to take a while. Glad I like apples. And then there's the electric bill. I have to do it this way. You pay the water, you pay the electric, and if you're a Clemson fan, there's season tickets and IPTA, and that takes a big chunk. And if if you're a Carolina fan, what is that one called? What's that? Gamecock Club? Throw money away. All right, there you go. Somebody did about the same thing in the first service of that, too. And, and then, of course, you got to relax a little bit, so you go play around the golf. And then your wife reminds you, hey, we got groceries, and you look in the cabinet, yeah, we need groceries. And my bird take two bites for groceries. And then, you know, summer's almost here, and so you got to get the boat repaired for. Then you then you remember then you remember that your your son busted a tube last summer, so you're gonna have to get another tube to pull behind it. I'm getting that all over me. And then your daughter comes back and says, "Daddy, uh, the dentist said that I need two crowns." Who right? And then your wife says, honey, it's been a long time since we've been out on a date. Can we go out to eat somewhere nice tonight? And, uh, 
Okay. Not McDonald's, high cotton, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, you bought that four-wheeler because you need that to go hunting on, right? And you got that payment. So you can take care of that payment. and Just all kinds of things that come up like that. And then you come to church on Sunday, and they pass the offering plate. When they pass, when they pass the offering plate, you're looking at what you have left and that's what God gets after car payment the mortgage and the taxes the house insurance and college and medical insurance and IPTE and dentist and groceries and everything that's what God gets Tithing is God's way for you to demonstrate that He really is first in your life. Tithing is giving God my first and best so that He can bless the rest. You, If you were to say to me, Keith, I would like to do this, but I just can't afford to do it. You know what I'd say to you? You can't afford not to do it. Do you want God's blessing in your life? Do you want God's blessings? God's bl- How can you expect God to bless disobedience? How, how could you expect God to help you with your finances when you're sitting there saying, it's my money, it's my money, it's my money. Go to Proverbs chapter 3, please. Proverbs chapter 3. Look at what it says. Verse 9. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the, what's that next word? First fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will, will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits. Don't give God leftovers. Don't don't put this, don't give this to God, whatever you might have left over. Give God the first fruits and watch what happens. I read about a businessman who said to his pastor, he said, you need to tell the people that the best time to start tithing is when they're in debt. Pastor looked at him and he says, tell them if you want God's help to get out of debt, then put him first. Makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, here, here's a, a life principle, not just for money, but for all of life. Any area where you want God to bless, put God first in that area. You want God to bless your business, put God first in your business. You want God to bless your career, put God first in your career. You want God to bless your marriage, put God first in your marriage. You want God to bless your finances, put God first in your finances. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to give. But I am saying this, it is much easier to live on 90% of your income in the will of God than 100% of your income out of the will of God. 
So it comes down to this. God says, you're robbing me. I'm not asking you to give something that you don't have. I'm asking you to give a percentage of what I've already given you. I've already given it to you. I'm asking you to return a percentage of that. Show me that I'm first in your life. Demonstrate to me that I'm first in your life. Don't give to me after the car payment and after the mortgage and after you go out to eat and after you pay Ipte and after you go play golf and after you do the dentist and after, 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 after. Don't give him this. Give him the first fruits of what he's given you. And when you give him the first fruits of what he's given you, then you are demonstrating that he is first in your life. I want you to bow your heads and let's pray about that. I want to finish this message at another time, but I'm going to stop right here and ask you a very important question. Is God really first in your life? Is he first in your finances? You say, well, well, well Keith, you don't understand. You don't, you, you don't understand the pressures we're under. You, you don't understand the, the debt that we're in. You, you don't understand the problems that we're facing. You don't understand the payments I've got to make. I don't understand, but could it be? Could it be that perhaps some of those problems are the result of not living in accordance with God's will? We'll probably look at this at another time, but in Haggai it says, uh, you make money and you put it in in a purse with holes in it. Because you're not honoring me, the Lord said, you you put the money in a purse with holes in it. It's like there's never enough. There's never enough. There's never enough. And so somewhere along the way, you've got to say, God, you're first, period. Period. And we will make you first in all areas of our life, even in our finances. Then step back and watch God be faithful to you. Thank you, Lord, that you honor our faithfulness. When we're faithful to you, you honor that. And so now whatever needs to be done in this service, as we apply this to our lives and as we respond to your spirit, I pray to bring you glory in Christ's name. Amen.